This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. Others call it non-dual awareness, liberation, enlightenment, or spiritual awakening. It is the heart of all spiritual traditions. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon, this is Marshall Davis. I finished the Beatitudes of Jesus a couple of episodes ago, and now I'm going to continue with a non-dual interpretation of the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. After Jesus starts the sermon with the Beatitudes, he then talks about our spiritual identity, using the metaphors of the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I explored that section earlier in an episode entitled, Who Does Jesus Say You Are? And then after that, he gives his approach to scripture, which is a non-dual approach. Scripture is important to Christians. The historic confessions of faith in my tradition, as well as other Protestant traditions, normally begin with a section on the inspiration and the authority of scripture. And that serves as the foundation for everything else. So it's not surprising that Jesus does the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me read it for you. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. But truly I say to you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, or not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Here Jesus is defending himself against accusations that were being made against him, that he was abolishing the scriptures, which he calls the law and the prophets. The law is also known as the Torah. The Torah and the prophetic writings were the two parts of Jewish scriptures at that time. The third section, known as the writings, had not yet been canonized. Jesus' most frequent critics were Pharisees who accused him of breaking the law, the Torah, because he worked on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was one of God's top ten, and they accused Jesus of being a Sabbath breaker. They also accused him of breaking ritual purity laws of the Torah by not washing his hands in a ritual fashion and by associating with people who were considered ritually unclean according to the law. So the primary accusation against Jesus was that he was abolishing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, in the heart of Hebrew scripture. In fact, the Sadducees, who were the religious conservatives of the day, considered the Torah to be the only scriptures. They did not accept the prophets. So in other words, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and the teachers of the law were accusing Jesus of throwing out the Bible. 
of not accepting the authority of Scripture. And those are the type of things that are often said against me. So I feel like I'm in good company. But Jesus here refutes this accusation. He says, I do not come to abolish the Scriptures, but to fulfill them. This is Jesus's non-dual approach to Scripture. Non-dual teachings do not abolish the Christian Scriptures or the Hebrew Scriptures. They fulfill them. Jesus loved the Hebrew Scriptures. He read them. He studied them. He quoted them. In fact, we can tell which ones are his favorite books by how frequently he quotes those. He, we can tell he loved the Psalms and the prophet Isaiah and the book of Deuteronomy. You can tell by his words here in this section in the Sermon on the Mount that he held a high view of Scripture, but he did not have a fundamentalist view of Scripture. Jesus never used words like inerrant or infallible to describe Scripture the way Christian evangelicals and fundamentalists do today. He was not a legalist concerning Scripture the way the Pharisees were. He had a much more open and creative approach to Scripture. He was not a fundamentalist. He did not throw out the scriptures of his religion either. Just the opposite. He said, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. In other words, he wanted to keep scriptures intact, but only until everything is accomplished. The Apostle Paul had a similar approach to Scripture. In his letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul likens the Torah, or the law, to a schoolmaster who's training up children. He says, before faith came, we were kept under the law, under the Torah, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. The Torah was a schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. But after the faith came, we are no longer under schoolmaster. For you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Other translations will use other words for a schoolmaster. They use words like guardian or trainer or tutor or disciplinarian. The idea is that the scriptures are meant to train people till the scriptures have fulfilled their purpose in that person's life. In other words, Scriptures, you could say, are useful. And that's the term that is used in the most famous statement about Scripture in the Bible, in 2 Timothy. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's similar to an analogy that the Buddha used. He told the story of a man traveling along a path and coming to a river, and he wants to, to cross that river. So he looks for a bridge, but he doesn't find one. He looks for a boat, but he doesn't see that. So he builds a raft for himself, and he gets on that raft, and he paddles with his hands and his feet until he reaches the, the other shore. And then he could continue his journey on dry land. What should the man then do with his raft? The Buddha asked. Should he drag it with him across land or should he leave it behind? He would, of course, leave it, the Buddha said. The Buddha explained that the Dharma, the, the teaching, the Buddhist teaching, is, is like a raft, is useful for crossing. But then once you've crossed, 
it's fulfilled its purpose. You don't carry it with you. At the same time, it should be preserved for others who want to cross. Scripture was like that for Jesus. It is useful until everything is accomplished. Now, another phrase Jesus uses here is that it is useful until heaven and earth disappear. Now, that's usually interpreted to mean that the scriptures will remain until the end of the world, the end of history. And that's a valid interpretation. But it can also mean the disappearance of duality, duality of heaven and earth. And that happens at spiritual awakening. Heaven and earth, the division between those two disappears. And all is seen as one. And as I said in the last episode, it's likely that Jesus had both senses, the historical and the eternal, in mind. He understood that a time would come with this non-dual reality, the kingdom of God that is, is present here and now, will be fully manifested for all to see. One could also say, another analogy, would be that studying the scriptures provides the basics for those who are, who are learning. It's like practicing the scales when you're learning to play an instrument and a musician is teaching you. Or it's like learning the essentials of form and perspective and color when learning to paint or learning the basics in dance or any art form in any field, any professional field. You have to learn the basics. You study and you obey the rules. And then later after you know the rules, then you can bend the rules in creative ways. And that's what makes art great. And that's what makes a spiritual teacher great. And that's what Jesus did with the scripture. Yes, what he did with the Sabbath laws and the ritual purity laws. Jesus doesn't abolish the rules. He doesn't reject the basics. He affirms that they're the good and right in their place, but he goes beyond them. But he does know they're necessary. Jesus says, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he points beyond the basics. He goes on to say, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. He is saying that you have to go beyond the basics to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's what the opponents of Jesus did not get. The Pharisees and the teachers of the Torah were very good at following the rules, following the religious laws. But Jesus said they were not getting into the kingdom of heaven. Fundamentalists today are good at following the laws of scripture, but they're not entering the kingdom of God. This is symbolized by Moses, who was the lawgiver, the giver of the Torah, traditionally the author of the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Moses, the lawgiver, did not enter the promised land. He only saw it from afar. To enter the kingdom of God, you have to go beyond the law. 
you have to go beyond to where scripture points. You see, scriptures are pointers, not the destination. And the rest of the section in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus pointing beyond Scripture and beyond the traditional interpretation of Scripture in his time. The next five teachings that Jesus gives here all start with the same words. And I think five is intentional here because it is meant to symbolize the five books of the Torah, known also as the Pentateuch. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, so he starts off, you have heard that it was said, and then he'll quote scripture, a command of scripture. And then he'll supersede the command of scripture with his own teaching. So you've heard that it was said, that's what scripture says, but I say to you, and then he gives his teaching, and his teaching goes beyond the scripture, but it doesn't deny it, it doesn't destroy it, it fulfills the scripture. But people didn't see that, and that's why he was opposed by the teachers of the law, and that's why ultimately he was crucified by the religious leaders. But he was not rejecting the scriptures like the religious leaders thought he was. He was fulfilling them. In the next episode, I will explore these five teachings that Jesus gives as examples of how non-duality fulfills the teachings of scripture. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.